Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Wisdom in the Word. This is Tune Up Tuesday. Today we are studying Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. We hope that you have your Bible with you. We hope that you will study along with us. We also hope that you'll join us for our Thoughtful Thursday broadcast as we'll be answering your questions from the Word of God. If you have questions, please submit them to us so we can add them to our list and we'll be answering those questions in the order in which they were received. Let's read Hebrews 12, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself." lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Here as we approach Hebrews chapter number 12, we've just exited out of the corridor that leads to this chapter. Along that corridor, we have noticed along the side of the walls, pictures and portraits of some of the great people who lived and walked by faith. The list of them are given to us in Hebrews 11, and we've gone through them. There's the pre-Noah, pre-flood group that we see in Abel and Enoch and Noah, and then there's the ones that surround the patriarchs. Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then there are those that come out of the uh, out of the captivity. We've got Moses and uh, we've got others that that walked, uh, the children that walked through the Red Sea and how God helped them. And then the group Rahab and uh, Barak and Gideon, and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel that are listed for us. And then the great deeds that they did uh, by faith listed at the end of the chapter. Now, again, remember what precipitated chapter number 11 was the end of chapter 10, where he tells us, that it's important that we not draw back, that we keep pushing forward by faith. And then he gives us examples of people who pushed forward by faith. Now, as we pick up here in chapter number 12, again, those that push forward by faith are going to be spoken of here in chapter 12, 1 to 3, not by name, but now we are going to be included in this group. That is, we're now going to be encouraged to follow their example. And we'll notice some things as we go through this particular section together today. Let's begin here. I've entitled this particular uh, section, verses 1 to 3, Under Consideration. Under consideration. Uh, it seems that the writer wants to get us to consider some important things, some important people, some important concepts as we roll into this particular section. Let's notice first off, the first thing that he wants us to consider here is consider the cloud. Consider the cloud. The Bible says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, who is this cloud of witnesses? Again, this is a, a cloud of people that have gathered around us, and he uses the concept of a cloud, as in they are, they are looking out over us. They're looking above us. They are something that we look to. 
And these witnesses that he's referring to are the people that were listed in chapter number 11. The ones we just went through, Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and the list goes on and on through the book of Hebrews. This is the group to which he's referring. He's referring to this cloud of witnesses. Now, again, some have thought that the way that this is is laid out, that the witnesses here are those that are in the grandstands and they are watching us as though we are on a playing field and they are our spectators who are watching us. But that's not really what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. The writer of Hebrews is not telling us that they're watching us, but rather we have watched them. Their example goes before us. They are the ones. They are the ones who have passed before us and have done great feats and great things by faith. And so he's going to push us and press us to continue. The things that we do, we ought to do by faith. Push forward. Don't draw back. Keep going forward by faith, but look to those who have gone before us. These people provide for us great example of what it means to live and walk by faith. And we need that in our lives. Uh, some of you have been shaped and formed in your life by the faith of your father or the faith of your mother, uh, faith of your grandparents. Some of you uh, were raised and were given um, great faith passed on to you and you borrowed it for a while. You watched it. You saw it in action. You saw what it meant and you saw that it was real and it created a real and genuine faith in you, or at least began the seeds or planted the seeds of a of a real and genuine faith in your life. And so we need the same. We need to consider those that have gone before us. We don't just have examples in our homes and example in our, our families. We have examples in the scripture that God has given us people that we can look at and we can know. Watch their faith. See the seed of their faith. See what they did and what they accomplished by faith. And then turn and be able to say, what can I do? How can I keep pressing forward? If they push forward, if Noah pressed forward and Enoch pressed forward and, and Abel pressed forward and, and Moses pressed, pressed, uh, pressed forward, then certainly I should press forward as I continue to follow Christ. And so it is all of our desire to, to consider the cloud, to press on by faith, to keep moving forward. And the first thing he wants us to consider here is the cloud, the cloud of witnesses. He says, because of the seeing we are compassed about, because we are, that is, consider this cloud and use this cloud as motivation. Wherefore, because of these witnesses, there's something that we ought to do. Notice the second consideration here in this text. He says, consider the contest. Consider the contest. Notice what he says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, this is something that we often see in the Apostle Paul's writing where he will liken the Christian life to uh, some other aspect of Christianity. Now, whether Paul wrote this book or whether someone who knew Paul well wrote this book uh, makes no difference because the analogy is still the same. Paul is going to use sports-like uh 
competitions in order to be able to 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 talk about and give us analogies, metaphors for the Christian life. Uh, he will use in First Corinthians, he'll use the concept of beating the air like a a boxer. In Ephesians six, he'll use the concept of wrestling. Um, that is, you know, like like the they they wrestled back in that Greco-Roman style of rest, wrestling. Um, we find Paul will use uh, this concept of a race over and over and over again uh, throughout the scriptures. A contest. He talks about multiple places winning the prize, pressing for the prize. And so Paul will use this, this sports motif in multiple passages in order to be able to build this. And the writer of Hebrews does the same. He lays this out as a race, as a contest. And again, we are not competing against Moses and Elijah and Abraham and Enoch and Abel. We're not competing against these folks. What we're seeing in our in in our life is that we are competing again against those things which might hinder us. the The competition really is to finish. The competition is to reach the goal, reach the end, is to be successful in the Christian life, to not falter, not fail, to keep moving forward, to keep pressing forward. The victory in the Christian life is not uh, simply overcoming each other, but overcoming adversaries and overcoming obstacles that are set before us. And so he's going to give us the race. Now, the race here is not a sprint. It's not something that you do quickly. It is something that you do eventually. And this race is more like a marathon. Uh, it's going to encompass the entire entire life of a believer. The entirety of the life of a believer is given to this particular race. When you look at verse number one, he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That is, God has set for us a, a path, a race. Now, all of our races look a little bit different. Not everyone is going to take the same path, but we're all going to be powered in the same way. We're all going to be motivated in the same way. We're going to be motivated, motivated by faith. That is, it is faith that pushes us forward. It is faith where we draw our strength and our power. We we press on by faith, trusting and believing God. And the goal, the finish line is the same for all of us when we see Christ. When we meet Jesus, that is the end for every saint, for every believer. So while the end looks the same and while the beginning of our race all starts by faith and while we are empowered by God to live and walk by faith, the path that God has laid out for all of us looks very different. And so he tells us to consider the cloud. Then he tells us to consider the contest. Then he tells us to consider the constraints. As we look at verse number 12, chapter 12 and verse number one, he makes it clear that there is a some constraints in this race that we are we are talking about, the one that God has set out before us. You'll notice he says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Now, again, these weights are constraints. They're things that hold us back. They're things that don't allow us to push forward. No one that's running for a race for a prize, you might in training use weights. You might in training run with weights. But when it comes time to be able to do the actual racing, you don't want anything extra. Racers uh, often wear uh, things that are very form-fitting so that they might be streamlined. They don't want anything hindering them, anything catching the air. And so our writer tells us to lay aside every weight 
the weights that drag us down. All of us are weighted down in this world. We're weighted down with the burdens of this life and we're weighted down with the concerns of this life and we're weighted down with sorrow and we're weighted down with sickness and we're weighted down with all of these different constraints, these things that keep us. And so the writer warns us to be able to lay aside those things. And every one of us must do our diligence in laying aside the things that present themselves. Things that exalt themselves against God. Things that exalt themselves against the race. Things that, that are going to hinder us from running the race. There are many hindrances. There are many adversaries. And the Lord would have us to lay aside those as we walk in our Christian life. But not only does he talk about weights, but he also talks about sin. Notice he says, he goes on, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Not only must we consider that, that weight that we are carrying, but we must also consider the sin, the sin. Now the weights may be external things, but sin is the internal thing. Some have suggested that each of us have certain besetting sins. Perhaps you are aware of the besetting sins in your life, the things that would hinder you from serving God, the things that would keep you from honoring Christ, the constraint of sin in your life. Sometimes they are pet sins, things that we keep knowing that they're wrong. Other times they are things that simply grab a hold of us and we are brought underneath their power. However we approach the matter of sin, we've got to remember that it's our responsibility to keep ourselves clean, that God wants to use clean vessels. In fact, Paul would use this terminology uh, in Timothy as he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Uh, he would tell them that we should lay aside, we should purge ourselves from these and again, purge yourself from these, the things which bring dishonor to God, the things which, which uh, take away our sanctification, that, that spoil us. So sin, the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us sin. You know your besetting sin. You know the things that you are given to, you are prone to be able to repeat. So he tells us, consider the cloud. He tells us, consider the contest. He tells us to consider the constraints. Then he also tells us to consider the cross. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, remember that we are all looking towards the same goal, towards Jesus. We look towards Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is difficult for us to understand how Jesus could have had joy in approaching the cross. We know that he had ag ag agony. We know that he had a great deal of anxiety about going to the cross, about having to give his life, knowing what was going to be expected of him. And that's a difficult thing for us to understand. But the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy of what? The joy of completing the work of his father. The joy of seeing those that he loved redeemed. The joy of paying finally the sacrifice for all of sin the joy of being able to bring these people into relationship with his heavenly father, the joy of being able to make them joint heirs, the joy of being able to spend eternity with them, whatever the joy is specifically, or maybe some or all of the above, Jesus endured the cross. Notice he, he despised the shame that there was, there was something that there was a joy about it, but there was also something he hated about him. 
the shame of the cross, the weight of the cross was heavy upon the Lord Jesus. He was shamefully treated and, and beaten. He was, he was accused of things that were not true. Naked, he hanged on the cross. And the Bible says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And yet he says at the end of the verse and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy he pursued it, the shame he despised it, right? But ultimately he finished it. And the concept of setting down here is related to our priestly concept. We've been talking about priests going all the way back into chapter 10, going earlier on into the book about how Jesus is a better priest, how he's after the order of Melchizedek. And the concept of setting down means that his work was finished. The priests never sat down in the work that they did. They never sat down inside that courtyard. But when Jesus finished his work, he would set down his work. He would sit down because his work was finished. He would cry at Calvary, it is finished. Not I am finished, but it is finished. Jesus finished the work of Calvary. The writer wants us to consider not just the cloud and the contest and the constraints, but also the cross. He wants us to think about what Jesus did, how Jesus pushed forward. If the other people in chapter 11 are the examples of people who did not fall back and did not fade away and continue to press forward by faith, so Jesus himself is the ultimate example. He's the ultimate example because of what he accomplished by faith in Calvary, in the work of the cross, by, by the example that he gives us of pushing forward. It goes with what he says at the end of chapter, of verse number one, where he says, let us run with patience. The concept of patience there is, is uh, again, it's slow. It's being slow. It's also waiting, but it's also endurance. The concept of patience is, is it takes a while. We've got we've to have the endurance to be able to continue. Jesus certainly exhibited the endurance to continue on. And then lastly, in this text, he tells us not only consider these things, but in verse number three, he tells us to consider Christ himself. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The thought here is of not falling back. The thought here is of persevering, of going forward. The thought here is of not quitting of doing by faith what you could not do in your flesh, of continuing on, serving God, looking ahead, keeping Jesus as the goal, looking unto Jesus. Jesus is, again, the author and the finisher. He's the one that began it, and he's the one that finishes it. The Christian life starts with Jesus at the moment of our birth and salvation, and it ends at the end of the race with our death and our entrance into the heavenly portals. Jesus is both the author and the finisher of our faith. He he began it, he finished it, and he will end begin it. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But now he's told us in verse number three, consider him who endured. What did he endure? What did Jesus do through patience? Such contradiction of sinners against himself. Those that stood against him, those that hated him, those that reviled him, those that beat him, those that smacked him, those that cried crucify him, those that claimed that he was the Messiah, which was to come, Hosanna, Hosanna, and yet a few short days later are crying for his crucifixion, crucifixion and saying, give us Barabbas. It's these people that we're supposed to consider. If Jesus endured, then certainly we can endure. If Jesus did not stop on his way to Calvary, then we can continue on and we can press on as well. Then he gives us a warning as he ends. 
lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That is the warning here is against becoming weary in the Christian life, fainting in our minds, allowing what's going on all around us and what's going on inside of us to have an impact on what we think and what's going on, making sure that our hearts and minds are are set in the right direction, not being wearied in the well-doing. Paul would say, be not weary in well-doing. Again, these thoughts of fainting are consistent with earlier on with what he said to the people of Hebrews, making sure that they keep going, keep pressing forward, that they don't stop, draw back and go back to their old life, go back to the old covenant, the old way of living, that they continue to keep on. If Jesus kept on and he is our great example, then we ought to keep on as well. So here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to three, we are told to keep some things under consideration. Consider the cloud. Consider the contest, consider the constraints, consider the cross, and consider Christ. From here, our writer is now going to approach the matter of God and keeping us on the right path. God keeping us on track. God keeping us on the course that he set for us. And the way that he has to do that is through chastisement and correction. And so we'll pick up here next week in our study. We want to thank you so much for joining us today in our study here of Hebrews chapter number 12. We hope that you will join us on Thursday for our Thoughtful Thursday broadcast as we'll be answering your questions from the Word of God. So please um, submit questions to us here at Wisdom in the Word. We'd be glad to take those and add them to our list. We are grateful for all all of you that are taking opportunity to be able to study the Bible with us and listen. And we want to thank Thank you so much for joining us on this Tune Up Tuesday broadcast. Have a great rest of your day and God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.